I'm Brent McGarry. This week on the Couch Potatoes, three months of the summer movie season are already gone. I'm Jeff Braun. There's only one month left to go. We'll run down what's coming soon to a theater near you with the August movie preview. I also saw Atomic Blonde this week. I'll tell you all about that. But first, let's get to the preview. You're a gunslinger, right? There are no gunslingers. Not anymore. Why does the man in black want to destroy the tower? The tower protects both our worlds. If it falls, hell will be unleashed. The month of August begins with a big one for Stephen King fans. It is the film adaptation of one of his most ambitious stories. The Dark Tower. There are eight Dark Tower books, the first of which King released in 1982, entitled The Dark Tower, The Gunslinger. Idris Elba plays the gunslinger in this film, which tells the story of a teenage boy who figures out there is a parallel world to ours, a world where the gunslingers fight back against the man in black, played by Matthew McConaughey. He's like the devil, isn't he? No, he's worse. You can't stop what's coming. Death always wins. Your world might be gone, but mine isn't. You let that tower fall, billions of people die. Do they have guns and bullets in your world? You're gonna like Earth a lot. All right, let's go. So the gunslinger comes back to Earth with his kid, and together they hope to prevent the man in black from bringing down the Dark Tower, which holds the universe together. Sadly, it's not getting the best reviews. You clawing your way out of the darkness? Did you tell the kid whoever walks with you dies by my hand? I will kill him for both of us. Also this weekend, director Catherine Bigelow travels back to the 60s to bring us Detroit. Here in Detroit, a city of war. On the city's west side, a 150-block area is off-limits to everybody. U.S. Army paratroopers, National Guardsmen, state and local police are continuing the fight against a handful of snipers. Detroit is the true story of the Algiers Motel incident during Detroit's 1967 12th Street Riot. It stars John Boyega, he was in Star Wars The Force Awakens, Will Poulter from The Maze Runner, Algie Smith, who I've never heard of, same with Jason Mitchell, John Krasinski from The Office, and Anthony Mackie from the Marvel Cinematic Universe. A police raid ended up being a multi-day race riot in Detroit. A group of mostly black people were supposed to be staying somewhere in the riot zone, but They opted to avoid it and went to the Algiers Motel, which was about a mile away. Whoa, hey, y'all seeing this? Hey, look, we're not too far from the Algiers. Let's just go there until all this blows over. When you're black, it's almost like having a gun pointed at your face. It's like this. Hey, boy, what you doing on my street? Get that gun off me. Oh, what? You shoot it. Oh, man. It just starts racist. 
It was just a starter pistol, but it was reported to police by someone who heard it as a real gun. Army taking fire. Chest fire, chest fire, near the Algiers Motel. Hey, y'all, there's a bunch of police outside right now. The movie looks super intense, but you would expect that from the director of The Hurt Locker and Zero Dark Thirty. And if those movies are any indication, Detroit, which is getting great reviews, could be one of the big Oscar contenders. You think we're bluffing? We don't bluff! Another movie out this weekend stars Halle Berry. It's called Kidnap. She plays a mom at an amusement park with her little boy. The boy disappears. She spots him being shoved into a car. She runs after the car, hangs onto the car, and is eventually thrown from it. She drops her phone in the process, but doesn't realize she's dropped her phone until she gets into her own vehicle, a minivan, and chases after the car. She stops at a police station and wants to file a report. She decides she's not going to wait, though, and she goes back out into the minivan to chase the car once more. This was originally supposed to come out in March, but the distributor, Relativity, lost the rights to the film, so it got picked up by someone else and is now being released. Looks intense. Let me tell you something. As long as my son is in that car, I will not stop. Wherever you go, I will be right behind you. You took the wrong kid. Starting this weekend in limited release, it's Al Gore's sequel to his climate change documentary, An Inconvenient Truth. The most criticized scene in the movie An Inconvenient Truth was showing that the combination of sea level rise and storm surge would flood the 9-11 memorial site. And people said, what a terrible exaggeration. Hurricane Sandy slammed into New York City last night, flooding the World Trade Center site. The first documentary came out 10 years ago, and we still haven't saved the planet. Now, Al Gore is back, and he's pissed. The next generation would be justified in looking back at us and asking, what were you thinking? Couldn't you hear what the scientists were saying? Couldn't you hear what Mother Nature was screaming? That first movie made $50 million on a $1.5 million budget, but I'm guessing Gore doesn't much care about the box office. It was kind of a novel thing he did back in 2007, but now everyone's so firmly entrenched in only hearing what they want to hear, Gore may only be preaching to the converted at this point. The trailer does feature a lot of Donald Trump, and it's obviously not flattering. I can only imagine what his reaction will be. Again, an inconvenient sequel, Truth to Power, will be rolling out over the next few weeks, so keep an eye out for that. It is wrong to pollute this earth. It is right to give hope to the future generation. Don't let anybody tell you that we're going to get on rocket ships and live on Mars. This is our home.
Much like an inconvenient sequel, this next one begins the month of August as a limited release, although even more limited. Al, Al Gore opens in Canada, in Toronto and Vancouver at least this weekend before expanding. This next one's only in New York and Los Angeles. It's from the writer of Sicario and Hell or High Water. It's called Wind River. Sheriff's office. I need emergency assistance. What's your location? The Wind River Reservation. I'm Jane Banner, FBI. Welcome to Wyoming. By yourself? It's just me. That's Corey Lambert. He's the one who found the body. This is a homicide. I knew that girl. She's a fighter. It's about a rookie FBI agent played by Elizabeth Olsen investigating a murder on a remote First Nations reserve. She is joined by a local game tracker played by Jeremy Renner. They have six officers to cover an area the size of Rhode Island. Maybe you can help. Well, I know what the tracks say. What is it that you do again? I hunt predators. So why don't you come hunt one for me then? It is the finale of director Taylor Sheridan's Modern American Frontier trilogy. Sheridan wrote the scripts for Sicario and Heller High Water, both critically acclaimed. Sheridan also wrote Wind River on top of directing it. There are some sites that say Wind River expands next week on the 11th, others say the 18th, so just keep your eyes peeled for Wind River. Why would a teenage girl be out here? What is she running from? You're looking for clues, but you're missing all the signs. Shouldn't we wait for backup? This isn't the land of backup, Jane. This is a land of your on your own. Luck don't live out here. Couch Potatoes August movie preview continues in a moment with the latest in the Conjuring universe. You're listening to The Couch Potatoes. Brett McGarry, Jeff Brun, we are the Couch Potatoes. We are doing our August movie preview. We just wrapped up all the stuff that is out this weekend. Now let's look at what is coming out next weekend, August 11th, starting with a new entry into the Conjuring universe. That's right, it's another cinematic universe. But before you throw your arms up in disgust, let me tell you about Annabelle Creation. It was quiet for all these years. After Samuel and I lost our daughter, we prayed to see our girl again. The contact started small. But then she wanted permission to move into the doll. We soon realized it wasn't our daughter. So we locked it away. Annabelle Creation is a prequel to a prequel. The Conjuring came out in 2013. It was a huge success of a scary movie, and part of that film's success had to do with this creepy doll named Annabelle. In 2014, they made a prequel called Annabelle. And while it was scary, it just wasn't all that great. In 2016, The Conjuring 2 came out, and it was a wildly scary and just about as good as the first one. Now we have Annabelle Creation, which takes place sometime prior to Annabelle. It's about a family whose daughter was killed in a tragic car crash. An evil entity posing as their daughter asks to live inside the doll. They end up locking up the doll, turn their house into an orphanage, 
And now the doll wants to make some new friends. Sister, you always say that even though we can't see God, we can feel his presence. In this house, I feel a different kind of presence. An evil one. It's coming after me. Because I'm the weakest. You help me. What do you need? <laughs> That's horrible. <laughs> Why would they ever make such a movie? <laughs> ah, Jeff Braun, you should just leave the room when I do the scary God. movies. I scoffed when I heard that they were making this film. But guess what? It's got a 100% rating so far on Rotten Tomatoes. It's still early yet, but those early indicators point to Annabelle Creation being an excellent scary film. Janice found this doll. What doll? The one in the white dress. She mustn't go near that doll. She can walk. Forgive me, sister, for I'm about to say. Creepsy. Also on the 11th, Brie Larson, Woody Harrelson, and Naomi Watts star in a movie called The Glass Castle. If the sun don't shine. The kids are tired of moving to a new town every time you lose a job. You know, all this running around is only temporary. We just need perfect location, then we can get to work on our castle. Woody and Watts are a married couple and live like nomads. They're always on the move with their children, mostly because he's a drunk and can't hold a job. The trailer makes it look like the movie is held in two different time periods, one with the whole family while the kids are young, and then a decade or two down the road after the kids leave, start their own lives. Brie Larson is one of the grown-up kids living a big city life in Manhattan, a sharp contrast to her upbringing. Tension with her parents ensues. It's based on a novel and it looks pretty heavy. You were born to change the world, not just add to the noise. Why do you think all of us ran away from you. We were drowning. You ain't like me. I am like you. And I'm glad. Apparently, there was an animated movie a couple years back called The Nut Job. And on the 11th, it's the sequel, Nut Job 2, Nutty by Nature. They're gonna destroy the park. It's a fat guy with a tiny shovel. How much damage can he do? Oh, I get it. Tiny shovel was a symbolic gesture. We're all gonna die! Do something crazy! Nut Job 1 was panned terribly by critics in 2014, and while it made over $100 million globally, it was not a monster hit or anything, but they made a sequel anyways. It's about a bunch of cartoon squirrels starring Will Arnett, Katherine Heigl, and Maya Rudolph. They try to stop a developer from turning the park they love into an amusement park, and it looks kind of dumb. Sorry. Moving on to the 18th, Ryan Reynolds and Sam Jackson team up in the action comedy, The Hitman's Bodyguard. I'm a triple A rated executive protection agent. And you're the most wanted hitman in the world. My job is to keep you out of harm's way. Jackson is the hitman, Reynolds is the bodyguard assigned to protect him. They hate each other, violence and hijinks ensue. And I 
kill him. I really do. This guy single-handedly ruined the word As you can imagine, it's not for kids. Lots of swearing and gunplay by the looks of it. Samuel L. Jackson, as we all know, is among the best cursors on the planet. F-bombs are poetry coming out of his mouth. And Ryan Reynolds, always funny when he gets to be smart-alecky, so while this does look pretty dumb, it also looks very entertaining. I will bust a cap in your ass. Have you ever said please? Please! Why are we always yelling? Still to come on the Couch Potatoes, I'll tell you about Atomic Blonde. I went to see that this week. I remember when I first saw the trailer, I was really excited for it. So I'll tell you if it lived up to that hype. But we must conclude the August movie preview. Still a couple of more films left, so we'll tell you about that. Up next, you are listening to the Couch Potatoes. Brett McGarry, Jeff Braun, we are the Couch Potatoes doing our August movie preview. We are on to August 18th, also on August 18th, a rather strange-looking film called Logan Lucky. Charlotte Motor Speedway. I know how they move the money. The only guy who knows anything about blowing up real bank vaults is Joe Bang. Incarcerated. Yeah, we got a plan to get you out. Logan Lucky stars Channing Tatum and Adam Driver as brothers Jimmy and Clyde Logan. They want to reverse a family curse by carrying out an elaborate robbery during the legendary Coca-Cola 600 race at the Charlotte Motor Speedway. It's directed by Steven Soderbergh, who directed the Ocean's Eleven movies. And this kind of looks like Ocean's Eleven with rednecks. Coca-Cola 600 is the biggest race of the year. We need a computer whiz. I know everything there is to know about computers, okay? All the Twitters, I know them. Welcome to the Coca-Cola 600. Now, how many yards do I use the vault? 20 yards. I don't know, maybe 30. Is it 20 or is it 30? We are dealing with science here. The early reviews are excellent. It's at 100% on the Rotten Tomatoes. The cast also includes Katie Holmes, Seth MacFarlane, Catherine Waterston, Dwight Yoakam, Sebastian Stan, Brian Gleason, Hilary Swank, and Daniel Craig in a new kind of role for himself. I'm about to get naked. So no bacon. I said no bacon. <laughs> Yeah, that's right. That was James Bond. Moving on to August 25th, a second scary movie. Yay! Jeff Braun just took his headphones off. It's called Polaroid. What's that? Camera. Where'd you get it? I work at this antique store. This is so cool. Try it out on me. Good photo. Yes. Smile. Like many horror films, Polaroid features a cast of young, attractive, no-name actors who probably did not cost a lot of money for producers to hire. One of them finds a really old Polaroid camera and starts taking pictures with it. But then the people in the pictures start to die. You work with Tyler Drew at the antique shop. Yeah. 
What? I think you're all in danger. What are you talking about? You see that shadow? After Tyler died, the shadow moved to this photo. I think if the shadow moves to your photo, you die. If it really freaks you out, we can get rid of the damn thing. Don't! Problem solved. Not quite. The film is described as mixing elements of The Ring and the Final Destination movies. It does look scary. <laughs> All right, Jeff, you can put your That's headphones it? back All right. on. And that concludes the... August movie preview for The Couch Potatoes. And in the meantime, I will tell you about a film that debuted last week, the new Charlize Theron movie, Atomic Blonde. Lorraine Broughton, an expert in escape and evasion. Provisioned in intelligence collection. Let's go to crap, shall we? And hand-to-hand combat. It's directed by David Leach, who co-directed the first John Wick film and is based on a graphic novel about the deadliest assassin in MI6. It's an impressive set of skills. Talents can be overrated. Lorraine, how well do you know James Gascoigne? Enough to say hello. He's dead. So she gets sent into Berlin to help deliver a priceless dossier out of the destabilized city. She partners with the embedded station chief David Percival, who is played by James McAvoy. Find out who's hunting down our operatives. Where a lot of brave men and women are going to show up dead. Your contact is David Percival. Let me help you with your bags. Welcome to Berlin. The film is set at right, actually, right when the Berlin Wall is just about to come down. Atomic Blonde also stars John Goodman, Sophia Boutella, who is in Star Trek Beyond, and The Mummy, the just recent reboot of The Mummy, and Toby Jones. Now, when I first saw the trailer for this film, it blew my mind. Did the film live up to its trailer? I think I love you. That's too bad. For me, not quite. It did not live up to the trailer. It has a 76% rating on Rotten Tomatoes, so that's decent. It debuted in fourth place at the box office with $18 million. Not horrible, but not quite up to expectations. The expectations were a little bit higher. So I went to see it with two friends. One of them really liked it. I thought it was okay, and the other one was mostly bored by it. I first want to acknowledge the intensity that Charlize Theron brings to this role. She got this movie made just by sheer will. She wanted a movie about a female character who could beat him up and fool around, just like the boys get to do, and she really brings it. She's an imposing screen presence, and she does a lot of her own stunt work and fighting in this film. And to the point where when she was training for the role, when she was training for the film, she clenched her jaw so hard, she actually broke two of her teeth. And she just showed up for work the next day. I didn't even know that you could do that, break your own teeth. But she did, and she showed up to work like nothing happened. She really cared about this movie, and it shows. The action scenes are tremendous. They're inventive. And there's at least one really long shot with no edits or at least it's made to look like there are no edits, and it's exceptionally well done. 
Theron doesn't need fancy editing to make her look cool. She just beats people up and looks awesome doing it. So the movie does not disappoint with the action. Where it disappoints is a convoluted story and quite frankly, underdeveloped characters. We don't really get to know her character all that well, other than that she is a government operative who will break your face. James McAvoy has fun with his character, who is a little shady, but we don't really get to know him all that well either. And I suppose maybe that's part of the point because they're spies and, you know, spies have their secrets. So maybe we aren't supposed to get to know them. I don't know. But without getting to know the characters, it's hard to develop an emotional attachment to them and to the story. And as far as the story goes, it was kind of a mess. By the end, I was a tad confused as to what had just happened. That's not to say it was incoherent. It was just a little muddy and took some uh, forensic auditing after the film. And also it was likely just because I didn't care about the characters enough to really pay attention. Bottom line, great action. Charlize Theron is amazing. And I will happily go back to watch her kick some more butt because I know she wants to make more films based on this character. However, Atomic Blonde for me was just, like I said, okay. So I'll give it three couch cushions out of five. Up next... Jeff Braun's going to tell you about some new stuff regarding SNL and their weekend update. We'll hear that up next. You are listening to The Couch Potatoes. Welcome back to The Couch Potatoes. I'm Jeff. He's Brett. We're going to talk a little TV right now, starting with Saturday Night Live. Are you not entertained? From SNL, 2017 nominee of 22 Emmy Awards comes a new series. Good evening, everyone. That will give you a dose of fake news. Yahoo and AOL will combine to form a new company because no one wants to die alone. And make headlines. Each week brings a new controversy for President Trump. Funny again. You have to admit it's kind of funny. SNL Weekend Update, series premiere, Thursday, August 10th on Global. They mentioned Emmy nominations there, and it was a stellar year for SNL thanks to all the White House shenanigans. Alec Baldwin and his Donald Trump impression helped SNL snag its highest ratings in over two decades as well. So, of course, they want to strike while the iron is hot, although they have done this sort of thing before. We'll get four half-hour episodes of Just Weekend Update with uh, Colin Jost and Michael Che to tide us over until regular SNL comes back in the fall. They'll also have other cast members as guests and regular contributors like they do, and I'm guessing we'll see some Trump as well. Again, start Thursday the 10th on Global and NBC. A couple other TV notes, some weird stuff uh, announced this week, Brett. Uh, there was the biannual Television Critics Association get-together in Los Angeles. Each network gets a day to do panels about new and returning shows for the TV critics. And there were two insane nuggets that I wanted to pass along. The first involves the Kevin James show, Kevin Can Wait. Kevin Can Wait is TV's number one new comedy. So I'll just rest in this gully you've carved out. It's like sleeping in a and there's nothing sweeter than success. What does that smell? My candle. It smells like meatloaf. Because it's a meatloaf candle. So get into a comfortable position. Donna! What the? Unplug my pants! Unplug my pants! <laughs> I added the sound effect at the end just because... I, um, if you, if you liked Aaron Hayes who played... Kevin's wife on the show, well, you may have heard she won't be returning next season, and now we know the details. They're killing her off, off screen between seasons, so she's done. The show will come back, she'll have died, there will be a time jump, and boom, Kevin will be in his new romantic relationship with Leah Remini, who of course played his wife on King of Queens. So yeah, they're killing his old wife to make way for the new wife, and I mean, this is a sitcom that specializes in fat and fart jokes, so it's just so strange. It's so 
Yeah, it's just it's just so mean. Poor Aaron Hayes. She's getting like, have you ever heard of anyone being shafted that bad no. on the TV show? Nope. It's ins- it's just insane. Well, and what's funny too is uh, Pam from The Office. Yeah. What is her name? Uh, Pam from The Office. <laughs> I can't Pam remember. Beasley, Jenna Fisher. Jenna Fisher. Yes, she was originally supposed to play the wife, and then they recast, as far as I remember. So. Kevin James just can't decide who he wants to be his TV wife, I guess. I, yeah, he just wants to keep that. <laughs> going back to square one. That King of Queens magic alive. That's awesome. All right. And the other show I wanted to talk about was Will and Grace. It's coming back for a brand new 10 episode season this fall. Some more details of that came out at the TCA convention. I never watched it because Sean Hayes and Megan Mullally seemed far too shrill every time I flipped over to it, even though I do think they're both funny, but I don't know. Did you ever watch Will and Grace? Negative. Um, well, for the fans who did, I hope you weren't too attached to the series finale. I guess in that finale, they married off Will and Grace to other people, gave them each children, but for the new season, that's all being erased like it never happened. The creator said they didn't want to deal with spouses and kids, so they're just pretending like it never happened, which seems super lazy and a huge slap in the face of the fans and the legacy of the show. And I, 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 I hope it's not a precedent for other shows that may return in the future, or as some have been theorizing on the internet, that going forward showrunners will simply not want to put any sort of definitive ending on their shows just in case they come back down the road. Uh, so there you go. I mean, two really dumb TV things that we still can look forward to this fall. <laughs> well, in a way, I guess if, if they're bringing it back, fans would probably also can forgive them because they'll want it to just be the way it was, but right? do you want Game of Thrones to have it a proper ending or not, just in case in 10 years it's Game of Thrones Part 2 or something? Yeah, you know I what guess. I mean? I guess. I yeah. don't know. I don't know. It is a sitcom, so it's not like it's they're rewriting the end of Breaking Bad or something like that. That's true. I, and I, like, I have no skin in the game because I didn't watch it. I'm just thinking. I'm just thinking. What would happen if they rewrote the Friends finale or pretended that didn't happen? Yeah. So yeah, that I, I could see it being frustrating for fans. And if nothing else, it's just, it's just very strange. Yeah, it's odd. All right. Oh, we got time for the Clint Eastwood. We got time for Clint Eastwood. All right. A big year for Clint Eastwood anniversaries. I got all excited about this week. This week is perhaps the most special. Thursday was the 25th anniversary of his masterpiece, Unforgiven. You killed five men. Single-handed. Yeah. Who'd you kill first? Huh? When, uh, when confronted by superior numbers, an experienced gunfighter will always fire on the best shot first. Is that so? Yeah, little Bill told me that. You probably killed him first, didn't you? I was lucky in the order. But I've always been lucky when it comes to killing folks. Unforgiven is one of the best movies of all time, period. I'll be watching it again this weekend, I'm sure. I uh, won Best Picture, Best Supporting Actor for Gene Hackman back in 92. Another elusive Best Actor Oscar for Clint. It went to Al Pacino instead of a woman instead, which at this point sort of feels like a crime. Clint did pick up the Best Director Oscar, at least, so he's got no real complaints. Uh, it's often described as an anti-Western. The bad guys are good, the good guys are bad. Instead of riding off into the sunset, he rides off into the pitch black and the pouring rain. Great stuff all around. And I thought a few days ago that this was that this week was the 50th anniversary of The Good, The Bad, and The Ugly, but that wasn't until released until December 1967. However, the other two Westerns in that trilogy, the Man With No Name trilogy, A Fistful of Dollars and A Few Dollars More, for, for A Few Dollars More, they were all released in North America in 1967, so it's a collective 50th anniversary for that whole trilogy this year. 
A uh, number of special release Blu-rays out there if you're looking to add to your collection. I already have. I think it's a 20-year Unforgiven Blu-ray and special edition DVDs of the older Westers, so I think I'll hold off for now. I'll try to, try to contain myself. <laughs> All right, let's have a quick look at what is coming to home video this upcoming week, Tuesday, August 8th, starting with this. The fate of the universe lies on your shoulders. Now, whatever you do, don't push this button. Because that will set off the bomb immediately and we'll all be dead. Now, repeat back what I just said. I agree. No! No, that's the button that will kill everyone. Try again. I am Groot. Mm-hmm. I am Groot. Uh-huh. I am Groot. No! What was that, Jeff? Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2. Coming to Digital HD this upcoming Tuesday, so you'll be able to get your hands on that. Well, not your hands, technically. At least through Get your, your stream on. Yes, through <laughs> iTunes, Google Play. The hard copy will be available later, as well as on demand, if you just want to rent it off of your television. What's the name of the blue guy in that? I always forget. Um, Anyways, the blue guy who's in the <laughs> Guardians movies. I forgot. Not Drax, but the other guy. Yeah. He's got still the best line of the whole movie world this year. I won't spoil it. I don't That's know that so I agree great. with that, but uh, I'm not going to rob Jeff of his happiness. Oh, my God, it's great. So. Uh, very quickly, I'll just mention as well for Blu-ray and DVD and uh, Shaw uh, Video On Demand, you've got King Arthur, the Charlie Hunnam Jude Law super flop of a film, and Snatched with Amy Schumer and Goldie Hawn. Goldie Hawn returns to film for the first time in like 15 years, yeah. and the movie gets trashed, <laughs> and is a, it's a critical and commercial failure. I just... I don't understand that. Trainwreck was such a big hit for Amy Schumer. And then Snatched comes out. She pairs up with one of the greatest comic talents probably of all time. I don't know if that's an, an exaggeration, but I think Goldie Hawk's pretty good. Yeah. And it fails. Movies are fickle like that. Talent does not make the movie. Hey, star power doesn't Tom make Tom Hanks movie is in good. one of the worst movies of the year. So. A circle, that's right. That's all the time we have. I'm Brett. He's Jeff. We are the Couch Potatoes. Remember, if it requires getting up off the couch, don't bother. <laughs> <laughs>